0: everyone. Uh, This is the first of uh, what I hope will be many, uh, I don't know if I'd call them podcasts, but uh, just audio recordings of me uh, discussing different topics from history. Just a little bit about me. I have a degree in Egyptology. I have some experience in archaeology in Egypt. I uh, did a double major actually in Egyptology and history from the University of Toronto. Uh, My interests include obviously ancient egyptian history uh... huge interest in world war two um, the uh... fall of the roman empire the uh... roman republic a uh, little bit of greek history uh... and and really just uh... myths relating to history or bringing to light the realities surrounding uh, commonly held and unquestioned beliefs relating to history. So, I don't know, this might be, um, you know, the exodus in Egypt or uh, beliefs in Atlantis or, uh, you know, King Arthur or just commonly held beliefs regarding the pyramids, the Pyramid of Khufu or otherwise known as the Great Pyramid in particular has a huge amount of just unquestioned, commonly held myths that I would like to address in this first, I don't know if I'd call it an episode, but this first installment. So bear with me, this is my first time doing this. I am not a professional in uh, any means with regard to audio recording, and uh, I'm sure as we go along I'll, I'll get better, and hopefully if this is something that... People are finding interesting, I'll uh, invest in some better audio recording equipment. As it stands right now, I'm just using a pretty uh, popular headset. So, anyways, let's get going here. First issue I would like to address is the belief that the pyramids of Egypt actually don't contain anything that would indicate that their primary use was uh, funerary in nature or uh, basically. uh, no bodies were ever found in them, and uh, the idea that they were used as tombs—sorry—is is absurd. Uh, this simply isn't true. Uh, in support of the Egyptologist's position that they were used as tombs, uh, there is a huge amount of evidence, which we're we're gonna go over here. So really, with only a little bit of effort we can scratch the idea that no mummies have ever been found in the pyramids. The Egyptians themselves left a record of looting pyramids and in these accounts they describe the ancient Egyptians themselves are describing what's commonly known at the, in their time about the function of, of the monuments. So I guess that falls into a realm of literary evidence which I'm going to address later. But I want to first address the archaeological evidence and support of the pyramids being used uh for purposes of an of internment with uh the transition from i'm gonna assume that people listening kind of understand already the development of the pyramid and and really what what occurred was uh early Egyptians were buried in uh basically. Pits and through time they transitioned into what's known as a mastaba, which in Arabic uh, refers to like a bench because they look like benches. Basically, it looks like a cake almost like a rectangle, or actually, like a brick. It looks like a brick. And in the third dynasty, uh, during the reign of King Djoser, uh, his vizier whose name was Emhotep, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are uh, familiar with, came up with uh, the concept of basically stacking these bricks on top of each other, with each step progressively becoming smaller, which in turn developed the shape of a pyramid. Now through time, uh, through his successors, these step pyramids, as they were called, were kind of filled in and, and better perfected. Um, so, with the transition of the mastaba to the pyramid complex of Djoser, it's it's at this time, even within this first pyramid, that we actually have evidence of, of human internment. So, in 1821, there was investigations conducted at Saqqara, where this pyramid uh, sits. and uh, I might be mispronouncing this guy's name, but it was Mintuli. So, he investiga- or, sorry, his work involved the clearing out of the uh, network of intrusive tunnels in the burial chamber of Djoser's Pyramid, and there he found the remains of a, a, a gold-gilded sandal and a human skull. So, more than 100 years later, one of the great Egyptologists, Dr. Uh, Jean-Philippe Lauer, uh, who recently passed away unfortunately, um, discovered pieces of skin, bone from a human left foot and an upper arm. and So while it's impossible to determine whether or not these remains belong to the king, what is clear is that even within the first pyramid built in Egyptian history there is evidence for funerary function. What strongly suggests that these are indeed the remains of Djoser is the fact that to the northwest of the burial chamber there's a massive evidence of tomb robbery Including a disturbed uh, wooden chest bearing the name of Djoser's Horus name, which was Nejetyet. So, Djoser's successor constructed one of the more uh, enigmatic pyramid complexes in Egypt, and it wasn't until the 1950s that the pyramid of Ket was discovered. If Inscriptions on the perimeter wall have anything to say about it? This pyramid complex, too, was designed by Amhotep. So, Amhotep's kind of still sticking around, serving under multiple kings. Uh, the pyramid was originally excavated by Gonim, and when the burial chamber was breached, he found a fully intact and sealed alabaster sarcophagus. The type of stone here is worthy for further consideration because only two royal sarcophagi are known to be made out of alabaster. and That's the sarcophagus of uh, Khufu's mother, the I, who was Sneferu's wife, and Seti I, who was the father of Ramses the Great. So it can be broken down even far, further sorry, to say that only one alabaster sarcophagus is known in 3,000 years of Egyptian history to house the remains of an Egyptian king. Because of the sealed nature of the sarcophagus uh, the researcher, Gonim, was convinced that it must hold the remains of the king. Despite the urging for caution on behalf of his good friend, Lauer, it was with a lot of fanfare and press uh, state officials, television teams, and other members of the media gathered to watch what they believed to be a momentous history or sorry a momentous moment in history and As they removed the lid, everyone was shocked because it was completely empty. The empty sarcophagus in the pyramid of Seket has been used to shore up arguments claiming that pyramids were not used as tombs. But what should be considered is the presentation of the sarcophagus in the burial chamber. With dried offerings still on the alabaster lid, and the discovery of 3rd dynasty golden bracelets and other jewelry in a vertical shaft just before the burial chamber, along with 26th dynasty uh, Demotic papyri. it is obvious, at least to Lauer, that the tomb had long ago already been looted. Otherwise, why would those golden bracelets be uh, strewn about haphazardly in that vertical shaft. So in 1967, Lauer was heading the investigation of Second Ket's Pyramid Complex, where focus was then converging on the recent discovery of the so-called South Tomb in uh, in in the uh, complex of Second Ket. Joser's Pyramid Complex has one of these as well. So you can kind of see uh, a developing Um, standardization of of what will slowly evolve into a standard pyramid complex later in the fifth dynasty. Anyways, uh, it was here just before entering the burial chamber that Lauer discovered a wooden coffin with the remains of a male child about two years of age. It's likely that this was Sekhumkat's son, but for our purposes here what we have that's more important is a contemporary burial within a pyramid complex so it's obvious the ancient egyptians at this time were associating pyramids with burial places so you're probably asking where the heck is second mummy dr ies edwards and dr lauer both believe that during the onset of the first intermediate period which comes after the Old Kingdom, i will probably discuss that in a later um, edition. Anyways, uh, during the onset of the First Intermediate Period as society was breaking down and uh, essentially the authoritarian aspect of Egyptian society kind of broke down so the Old Kingdom priests, still in the service of Sekumkat's cult, might have removed his remains for reburial just as we find later in the New Kingdom uh, when the priests of Amun removed the remains of kings from their tombs in the Valley of the Kings at Deir al-Bahri, or sorry, to Deir al-Bahri, where Hatshepsut's temple is. So the dried offerings that I mentioned earlier that were on top of the lid were, in the opinion of Dr. Edwards and Lauer, uh, a respectful gesture left by the priests to the revered, but not long deceased king, or actually long deceased king by, by that time. So with the first two pyramids built, we already have pretty significant evidence for uh, their use as a, as a funerary, or in a funerary function. So the next pyramid for which there's direct physical evidence for a primary internment is in the Red Pyramid. Now this is in the, there were pyramids built in between Second Sakemkets Pyramid and the Red Pyramid, but I'm going to stick with uh, pyramids in which there, was, there is direct evidence of a primary interment. So like I said, uh, this would be the Red Pyramid, which was undoubtedly constructed by Sneferu. Who is the father and founder of the Fourth Dynasty? He's Khufu's father, and Khufu would later go on to build the Great Pyramid at Giza. So, in 1950, a badly damaged and burnt mummified uh, human remain w- were found in the Red Pyramid. So, these remains were examined by Dr. Ahmed uh, Batari, and I'm gonna see if I can find. Uh, the original report of these remains, and it has some pictures. I remember reading it f- 15 years ago. I wonder if I can find it online. If I can, I'll, I'll post it in the links. Excuse me here. Um, so, Dr. Uh, Batrawi, I might be, probably am mispronouncing his name, B-A-T-R-A-W-I, Batrawi, anyway, concluded that these were indeed the physical remains of Snefroot, and he came to this conclusion based on the fact that the style of wrappings were very consistent with 4th fourth, fourth Dynasty mummification techniques. In fact, during this period of the Old Kingdom, it would have only been the members of the elite who were mummified, and the quality of these wrappings were such that really it would have had to be a member of the royal family. Additionally, the fact that these Remains showed evidence of being burnt. It tends to indicate uh, that it did belong to a significant member of the royal family because, in the process of looting tombs, robbers who you know are stressed for time and kind of freaking out a little bit, they what they would do because they knew that the mummies often held amulets of huge wealth. Uh, in, in the wrappings, they would just grab these mummies and rip them to shreds. Often they would uh, set the wrappings on fire to just quickly access everything that's contained in the wrappings of the mummy itself. So we're gonna see in a little bit that there is direct literary confirmation of this uh, practice occurring in the Middle and New Kingdoms, where we actually have the recorded confessions of tomb robbers during their trials who indicate that such practices were done so in the red pyramid constructed in the fourth dynasty by snefru we have evidence of human remains i believe it was a foot i believe it was a left foot Uh, in a style of wrappings that were consistent with royalty in the fourth dynasty. Remember, the fourth dynasty is the old kingdom. So, the concept of the afterlife at this time was not diversified, not diversified, uh, democratized. So, like, it was, the afterlife was reserved for the elite of society. So, the fact that there's even a mummy in there tells us that, this individual was already at at the very top and then if we uh, add all the other pieces to the to the, uh, to the puzzle that we're trying to put together here it really really is indicative of of a royal mummy uh, especially one contemporary with the period in which the pyramid was constructed not everyone's going to have access to to the interior chambers of the pyramid so when we put it all together, it really is indicative that these remains are likely uh, to be Sneferu. And, and that's what, I mean, I'm gonna as I go along here, I'm gonna try not to make any definitive claims because it really is impossible for us to know. But weighing the evidence, I mean, it, it strongly suggests that these remains belong to Sneferu. So a really Really interesting figure, uh, coming along later in the same dynasty is someone uh, named Queen Kentkawas. So there's more than one, but Queen Kentkawas one and two were both figures of incredible importance in the early fifth dynasty. So in the fourth dynasty we have Snefru. Uh, actually, yeah, and the some people kind of disagree whether Sneferu founded the 4th or if it was his predecessor Huni. Uh, but for anyway, let's just say uh, Sneferu was the founder of the 4th dynasty and his sons were Khufu. And uh, Khufu's, Khufu's sons was Khafre, who built the 2nd pyramid. So the 4th dynasty is, is really a huge... Uh, Concentration of pyramid builders who built some of the biggest pyramids in Egypt. Hope I'm not going too far uh, off topic here, but after uh, Menkare, who is the son of Khafre, who is the son of Khufu, who is the son of Snefru, <laughs> uh, we have in the Fifth Dynasty a whole bunch of kings building at pyramid sites. Outside of, uh, outside of Giza and outside of Saqqara and Dashur, where previous kings had built. So, Queen Kent Kawas actually had a pyramid built at Abu Sir, and for our purposes here, it's really no less uh, significant and it's, it's hugely interesting. So, in the r- ruins of her burial chamber. They found a demolished pink granite sarcophagus, burial equipment, and pieces of her mummy wrappings. The tomb of her son, King uh, Neferre, doesn't disappoint us in this regard either. In this ruler's burial chamber, archeologists found the remains of alabaster canopic jars. Uh, that's where they would put their organs that they would be needing in the afterlife. Remember, everything except the brain was stored. Uh, the brain wasn't understood to have much value and it, it the high uh, moisture content of the brain um, sped up the, uh, the process of decomposition. So they got that out of their body really quick and they believed, as I'm sure most of you guys know, that the heart is where the seed of intelligence and morality was, was contained. So anyway, this is the fifth dynasty now and in the burial chamber they found the remains of these canopic jars and most importantly significant portions of the king's mummified remains so anatomical analysis of these remains showed that the king was about twenty three years old when he died which fits quite nicely with our understanding of egyptian chronology at this point in time So, for those people who say there's no evidence of uh, any kind of remains found in Egyptian pyramids? I mean, come on. It can't get more blatant than this. This is an Egyptian king with canopic jars, Like, leaving aside the fact that there was remains, just finding these canopic jars just screams out that there is a funerary function here. And about 50 meters south of Kent Kawas II's pyramid is a really Enigmatic monument known as Lepsis Pyramid No. Twenty Four. While the name of the owner of this pyramid isn't quite known yet, quarry marks uh, referencing the vizier Tas let me see if Tashepsis <laughs> date the pyramid to the reign of uh, King Nasri. And within the ruined burial chamber here, among the damaged and scattered remnants of burial equipment, which includes a scaled-down uh, copper object used in the opening of the mouth ceremony. I, uh, it's a. It really comes into fruition in the New Kingdom, the opening of the mouth ceremony. It's related to the cult of Osiris, and uh, basically, it it establishes a point in time when the king's soul can leave the mummy and and come back and um, receive offerings. But anyway the tool used in the opening of the mouse ceremony was found in this burial chamber and the remains of a 23 year old unidentified female. So undoubtedly this female is the owner of the pyramid it's just not known whether or not she was a consort of the king or uh, possibly the king's brother who is uh, Nefer Re. So still in the fifth dynasty we're gonna move along a little bit here. We come to the Pyramid of Jedkare. Okay. I was going to go in a little bit about his name, but uh, I'll skip that a little bit. Uh, So this pyramid was excavated most fully in the 1980s by Mahmoud Abdel Rizik, and it was an Egyptian team of archaeologists who discovered in Jed Carre's burial chamber the fragmentary remains of his sarcophagus, again canopic jars, and the mummified body of a man who is aged about 50 years old. Debris patterns within the pyramid and the intact nature of the plugging stones undoubtedly suggest that this must be the body of the king because it was inaccessible to any potential tomb robbers. The last king of the 5th dynasty, and this is as far as pyramid, uh, the study of pyramids goes, this guy is super important. The last king of the 5th dynasty was a dude named Unes, who constructed uh, a pyramid that was to include the famous pyramid text, which would later evolve into the coffin text, which would later evolve into the Book of the Dead. So this pyramid as well was excavated by Lauer, who remember I mentioned uh, uh, as an Egyptologist who specialized really at Saqqara itself, and uh, the Pyramid of Unas is not far from the Pyramid of Djoser, the first pyramid built. Uh, But anyway, the Pyramid of Unas was excavated by Lauer, a French Egyptologist, and he discovered there the remains of the king's skull his right arm and a shin bone and also within the burial chamber were the wooden handles of knives used during the opening of the mouth ceremony. At this time, just a bit of a tangent here, uh, we begin to see a transition from a royal cult associated with the sun god Rey to more of a integrated royal cult involving Rey and Osiris, and the pyramid texts themselves are hugely uh, Osirian in in nature and dedication. So it's not too surprising that we uh, begin to find these tools related to the cult of Osiris, like the opening of the mouth ceremony, uh, be- becoming more and more widely found. So moving on from Unas, we come to the Pyramid of Teddy, and this pyramid is really cool. You, can, you can't you can go in the uh, Pyramid of Unas today without special permission just because, one, the importance of the uh, Pyramid Text inside being the first uh, examples of Pyramid Text known, but also it's, it's really not that safe. There are collapse hazards. But a later Pyramid uh, built by Teddy you can enter, and the Pyramid Texts, in in here are just phenomenal, phenomenally beautiful. So Teddy was the first ruler of the 6th dynasty and we also come across evidence of looting involving the use of fire to access uh, those precious metals hidden in the wrappings of the mummified king that I mentioned earlier with uh, uh, King Snefru in the Red Pyramid at that short. So under the rubble in the burial chamber here we find the burnt remains of the king's arm and the shoulder the significance of burning cannot be understated intrusive burials generally would not warrant such like dedicated attention from thieves and as such the presence of like isolated charred human remains should you know setting off alarm bells there's there's good reason for these thieves who if later new kingdom texts or anything to go by had very good reason to suspect or to know even where the royal burials uh, occurred because often it was the workers themselves who constructed these monuments that later came back and robbed them. So Teddy's mother uh, this was a pyramid recently found. Uh, Sheshet was her name. She was buried near her son at Saqqara uh, like I said in the pyramid of her own And excavations on her pyramid have been going on for a couple years now. Um, But it wasn't even known to be a pyramid until uh, late 2008 or 2009. And in February of 2009, the burial chamber was finally entered. And the remains of the fully intact, mummified remains of Queen Cheshette were discovered. The tomb had been looted in antiquity. So the excavating archaeologists were, uh, as can be expected, extremely pleased with their findings. I'll uh, attach a news article, actually, uh, describing the history of the site and uh, current uh, excavations with some pictures as well. But again, the ancient Egyptians, right from the very beginning, associating pyramids with a funerary function and including burials. And as we go on, I mean, this is just going to repeat and repeat and repeat. So people who make the claim, you know, there's no evidence of the pyramids ever being used as tombs in Egypt. It's simply not true. It, it's fabricating uh, mystery when, when you know, a little bit of research is all it takes. So the daughter of Unes and the mother of Pepe was Iput, and she has a pyramid that was recently uh, in the news a couple years ago. So it was first uh, investigated at the turn of the century, again in the 1920s, and around uh, 2010 it was under investigation by a team of archaeologists led by, of course, Dr. Zahi Awas. And when first explored this pyramid's burial chamber, Produced a collection of uh, assorted funerary equipment, including five limestone canopic jars. Remember their function, so it's not a coincidence that they're uh, being discovered in pyramids. Fragments of a cedar coffin were also found. An alabaster headrest, gold bracelet, a necklace, copper utensils, an alabaster tablet with the names of seven sacred oils and the bones of a middle-aged woman believed to be the queen. generally believed to be the second king of the sixth dynasty although some kingsless uh well they don't all agree with each other but some kings lists insert uh, a king by the name of uh, user kara between teddy and peppy ii sorry between uh yeah between teddy and, and peppy ii um it is peppy ii jeez did i say peppy ii peppy I. It is Pepe the First Pyramid that uh, I'm going to quickly discuss now. So, his burial chamber also included a wonderful collection of burial goods, as well as the first example of pyramid texts found by Egyptologists. Now remember, Unas, as I said, was the first uh, example of pyramid texts and pyramids. Pepe's pyramid was the first pyramid in which pyramid texts had been found, but it was built later than the Pyramid of Una's. So, included in the finds were 14 shards of yellow alabaster canopic jars, scraps of linen with the inscription It said, linen for the king of upper and lower Egypt. I guess I should have turned my cell phone off before I started recording this, sorry. Sorry, the inscription on the linen said, uh, linen for the king of upper and lower Egypt, may he live forever. There's a pleated linen, a left sandal, a flint knife, Fine linen wrappings and a portion of a mummy. Within the context of the chamber, the mummy is likely to be that of the king. The next uh, burial chamber that we're going to discuss actually has a mummy. Now, I'm going to uh, include a picture of this dude. It's pretty fantastic uh, remains. Uh, Merenre, the first burial chamber... Contained less burial goods, but this mummy's almost fully intact. It's a young boy uh, with hair styled in the manner worn by children in Egypt. You know that little side knot? And it is recorded that Menen Re died very young after a short joint rule with his father, Pepi I. So this mummy is almost positively the remains of that young uh, boy king. So with the death of Menenre's brother, Pepi II, Egypt enters into this period of brutal civil war and famine and strife. It's known as the First Intermediate Period. Generally speaking, for the average Egyptian, conditions changed probably not a lot. And the breakdown of centralized control under uh, the power of the king really served to democratize or democratized, sorry, aspects of Egyptian culture normally reserved for only the elite. For those in power, though, the effects were absolutely brutal. And it was through a long and brutal civil war between uh, the Heracleopolitan, or, oh, I can never pronounce this, Heracleopolitan and the Theban kings that order was finally restored by Mentuhotep II in the beginning of the Middle Kingdom. So the Egyptians of this newly established middle kingdom continued to build pyramids and be interned within them. Had the Egyptian pyramid not served a significant mortuary or funerary uh, function for so many centuries, there's no reason to believe the kings of the middle kingdom would have resumed the construction of major pyramids uh, with such a similar function. So how then can one not associate pyramids with a funerary function? Is it simply because the magical draw of dramatic theories attached to Khufu's pyramid are too entertaining to pass up? Khafre's pyramid is only three meters smaller than Khufu's. Were it three meters taller, would all those shows on TLC, Discovery, and the History Channel hinting at some lost civilization or unknown technology be directed to Khafre's monument instead of Khufu's? with each pyramid being so undeniably connected in terms of architectural evolution, I could spend hours actually discussing that evolution. Uh, Can we reasonably isolate Khufu's pyramid in particular? But I guess all the Giza three pyramids or the three pyramids at Giza, people tend to reach in and pull these three pyramids out and disconnect them entirely from their archaeological, architectural, funerary context. And then from these three, pull out Khufus and isolate that and point with wonder at all these individual features that in their own might be interesting, but when viewed in a wider context of of Egyptian society, really isn't all that fantastic or unique. So anyway, let's recap very quickly, and look at the whole picture in terms of primary physical evidence suggesting a funerary function for the pyramids. There are hundreds hundreds of intrusive burials in the pyramids as well, Uh, and I wouldn't really consider them primary burials, but they do speak volumes about how widely understood the function of the pyramid was. If the ancient Egyptians did not believe that the pyramids served as tombs, they wouldn't have made so many intrusive burials into the pyramids to further the mechanism that it served. I could go into more detail about that. The pyramids weren't tombs and tombs only. They actually served a function that was related to the whole solar cult and a belief in the afterlife and the means by which the king uh, got there. So I'm just going to recap very quickly the pyramids that we're aware of that have evidence or do not have evidence. So Djoser, we have evidence. Sekumcat, evidence. Kaba, nope. Uh, Lepsis, no. Medum, no. Celia, I don't know if I'd call that a primary pyramid, but no. Uh, Zalbiet el uh, metien no. Senki, this is for another one of Snefru's likely. No, but it probably wasn't a major pyramid. It was probably a satellite. Uh Nagata, no. Kula, no. Edfu, no. Elephantine, no. Okay. The last seven were likely all built by Snefru and served different functions, either uh, uh, trial pyramids or or efforts to to learn certain techniques or um, satellite pyramids or serdabs which I won't really go into that but they served a function that's understood outside of the uh, uh, burial function which would have been uh, occurring in primary pyramids. So any, from Elephantine, the bent pyramid uh, no because it was likely abandoned right the red pyramid came next Uh, From Snefru, and there we do find evidence of primary internment. Remember that charred foot, Khufu, no, but with a pyramid like that, we wouldn't expect it. It's kind of a "come loot me" sign. The Jed Frey, no. Capre, no. Baka, no. We're not even sure if he was a king, with with a lot of certainty. Menkare. No, but there is a very interesting uh, secondary burial from the Saite period in the 26th Dynasty, really cool wooden coffin with awesome hieroglyphs. Uh Userkaf, no, Sahur, Sahure, sorry. Uh, no. Uh Neferrecaray? No. Kentkawas II? Yes. Uh Neferefre? Yes. Uh Nusere? No. Lepsis 24? Yes. Uh, men Kahur, which is the Headless Pyramid at Saqqara North. No, uh, Dejed Kare, yes. Unis, yes. Teddy, yes. Shisette, or Het. yes. Uh, kuit, no. Iput. yes. Pepi, yes. Uh, enikinti, no. Uh, menenre, yes. Marie Ray. <laughs> I'm getting all these names. I'm getting tongue-tied. Uh, probable, yes. Pappy the Second. No, there's no evidence for primary uh, interment. And with his reign, actually, the guy lived to be well into his 90s. Uh, with his reign ending in the onset of the first intermediate period, you know, it's possible people saw his. His death is the uh, ushering in of of some apocalypse occurring in Egypt because really remember the Egyptians believed that the king embodied uh, the essence of Mat, which was the mechanism through which the universe itself found balance. So after so long a reign he dies, royal authority just crumbles. But anyway, uh, getting off-topic here. So that's the archaeological evidence for the pyramids servings, serving as tombs. And Let's just very briefly go over uh, literary evidence. Admonition texts in the Middle Kingdom are set in large part during the period of unrest uh, that I just mentioned in the first intermediate period. So again this resulted from the uh, Follow the Old Kingdom and decentralization of royal authority in Egypt. Sorry, my dog just jumped at me. Uh, decentralization of royal authority in Egypt. So, as such, these admonition texts or lamentation texts, they, they provide details about the general state of affairs in Egypt during this time and are witness to the widespread conditions of the period. While fascinating in their own right, A few of the accounts are particularly relevant for discussion here. As Egyptian state uh, lost overall control of the security of the populace, the monuments and the cultic upkeep of these former heads of state or uh, previous kings were exposed to those same diminishing conditions. So it's during this period that the majority of looting likely took place, and the literature set during this period reflects this fact. So, from the Lamentations of Power, which is Papyrus 344, uh, it states, See now, fire is leapt high, its flame will attack the land's foes. See now, things are done that never were before. The king has been robbed by beggars. See, one buried as a hawk is blank. What the pyramid hid is empty. See now the land is deprived of kingship by a few people who ignore custom. See now men rebel against the serpent. Stolen is the crown of the sun, he who pacifies the two lands. So there's kind of a lot to, to understand in uh, how things are mentioned here. When, when, when it's referencing the hawk, like see one buried as a hawk is blank, this is essentially saying, look at the state of the king, because the hawk is a reference to the king as the embodiment of Horus, who is represented in uh, Egyptian iconography, religion, and and uh, culture, I guess, as as a hawk. Uh, what the pyramid hid is empty. It should be obvious. The pyramid's been looted, and when it mentions uh, men rebel against the serpent stolen as the crown of the sun who pacifies the two lands this is a direct reference to the king the serpent is a uraeus stolen as the crown of the sun he who pacifies the two lands relates to the absence of royal authority there was well, there is five sometimes seven crowns but The one probably most people are familiar with does have that serpent on the forehead. If you think about the Sphinx, the Sphinx has that serpent, that's the uh, Uraeus, which was, uh, there is uh, also a vulture, but anyway, it represented one aspect of Egypt, the two together, Upper and Lower Egypt. So again, I apologize for the uh, unprofessional way I'm, I'm recording this. this, like I said, is my first time, and I'm learning as I go with free uh, recording software. Uh, A headset and a coffee. So just to continue here, um, Entef, whose Horus name, so kings, I'm assuming people kind of have a little bit of a background here, Uh, kings have more than one name, sometimes actually five names. Uh, There's a throne name, a golden Horus name, a Horus name, um, But anyway, Entef had a Horus name that translated to he who has brought calm to the two lands, right? Upper and Lower Egypt were the two lands, hinting that there was a need for calm during the period. So he was a Theban ruler, which is in the south of Egypt, during the First Intermediate Period. And from his tomb comes uh, a script called the Song of the Harper. So just to quickly go over it here, it says he who is happy this good prince death is a kindly fate a generation passes another stays since the time of the ancestors the gods who were before rest in their tombs the gods they're they're the previous kings right the kings were gods so the gods who were before rest in their tombs blessed nobles too are buried in their tombs yet those who built tombs their places are gone what has become of them I have heard the words of Imhotep and Harjef. Harjef was considered like a sage, uh, whose sayings are recited in whole. What of their places? Their walls have crumbled. Their palaces are, or sorry, their places are gone, as though they had never been. None comes from there to tell their needs, to calm their hearts, until we go where they have gone. So Imhotep was I remember before. Uh, the vizier of Djoser and Second Ket during the Third Dynasty, uh, his tomb has never been located. Man, that would be such a awesome find. But this song may actually tell us why. Uh, Harjedef was the son of Khufu. Uh, I would really like to do another one on just specifically the sons of Khufu because, man, they are interesting. So Harjedef was the son of Khufu and was buried in a large double mastaba at Giza. He was considered to be a great sage, like a moral yeah, like a teacher of moral philosophy and personal development, really. Amhotep um, and Harjedef were considered by the Egyptians to be like some of the greatest teachers of their kind. Uh, Patahotep uh was a, a later one as well. I think that was the Fifth Dynasty. Uh yeah, his tomb was fifth dynasty. But anyway. Their works would have been as familiar to the Egyptians of the Old Kingdom and First Intermediate Period as the teachings of Jesus are today or, you know, some other religious leader that's commonly known. The Song of the Harper is saying that these tombs have been destroyed and their soul can no longer come and go. It was believed that their their souls were nourished through the offerings left at their tombs and their coming and going of their soul uh through uh, well false stores and, and other mechanisms but the song is essentially saying that their tombs have been ransacked and no one bothers to continue with the uh, the cultic activities necessary for the survival of their soul which was divided and yeah I'm not okay I won't go into that yet So, if the tombs of even these most revered men could be destroyed, what do you think could have happened to the tombs of kings whose existence maintained the spiritual, cultural, and even geographical integrity of Egypt itself through the king's integration as Mott, the order of the universe? Right. So, it's like, could you imagine... If we knew where the tomb of Jesus was, and society had broken down to such a level that people were ransacking it, that's essentially what's going on in this first intermediate period here. And with this level of disharmony, the chaos itself would be seen as the result of a poor king, who is failing to serve in the manifestation of mat, which is that balance, truth, and harmony of everything so in a period of unprecedented turmoil like the first intermediate period the blame would fall on not only the current king but also those old ones because the hawk referenced above which is the king as horus was constantly manifested by the king right so every king was the same horus whose duty was to uphold Mott. So in other words, the tombs of the most respected men in Egyptian history to that point were being vandalized. The tombs of the kings would have been in serious trouble. In the Leopold Amherst Papyrus, which dates to the tw- yeah 20th dynasty, a tomb robber by the name of Nefer admits that here's a quote he went to rob the tombs and we found the pyramid of King Sekemre the son of Re Sebakhemsef, this being not at all like the pyramids and tombs of the nobles which we habitually went to rob while the account from the Leopold Amherst Papyrus is a reporting of looting in the New Kingdom royal tombs during the 20th dynasty and there's i would love to do another one on on that as well there's a whole trial uh, these guys were found uh, robbing royal tombs and and their trial transcripts actually survive it's it's really incredible but even though it's looting new kingdom royal tombs during the 20th dynasty it's depicting a problem that was rampant throughout egyptian history the first intermediate period provided ample opportunity and a sense of moral justification to loot the tombs of previous kings it, it it could almost be seen as a way to get back or to make things right with the universe to restore order since these kings failed in their duty to maintain ma so there is no wonder at all why why the tombs of or the pyramids of some of the greater old kingdom kings were seen as such a, a massive target. That's a bit of the, the literary evidence and a bit of the uh, physical evidence. I didn't realize how long this would take to go through. Holy crap, we're almost at an hour. Um, but there's also an uh, iconographic evidence, like the iconography itself of the pyramid or the, d- the development of the Egyptian pyramid complex. The complex it as a whole, served a function, right? It wasn't just, well, oh, let's plop down a pyramid here, and and put a body in it, and well, look at how great he was. Look at the size of the pyramid. The pyramids were literary, eh, literary, literary, literally, literally, <laughs> literally, resurrection machines. I know if you've probably heard that before, but they were. They weren't the only monument connected to the burial and rejuvenation of the king either. So connected to the pyramids were a series of temples deeply rooted to the cultic activities dedicated to the maintenance of the king's soul and the preparation of the king's burial. So to neglect the inclusion of the pyramid complex as a whole, as, as these alternative researchers often do, it's to entirely disregard the Egyptian understanding of the world and how it relates to the afterlife. And while the structures surrounding the pyramid changed over time to reflect a religious development, uh, like the evolution of religious convention, the changes were never without functional cause related to the primary purpose itself of the complex, which was the eternal residence of the king. You know, uh, and the means by which he underwent this literal uh, transfiguration and the maintenance of his cult to provide internal uh, sustenance. We actually have evidence of uh, Snefru's cult existing, like, man, like really far into uh, the New Kingdom. Uh, I I think, I want to say the Bent Pyramid, but it might have been the Red Pyramid, where his mortuary temple uh, had kings continuing to come or provide offerings thousand years after after his death so as the cult of ray sorry, i just need a little sip of coffee here as the cult of ray began to remember raise the sun god right and and just to add something to consider as we go through anything on egyptian history the names of the kings themselves reflect certain conditions uh, present in egypt at the time so as the cult of ray began to gain prominence at the beginning of the fourth dynasty and the temples and structures connected to the pyramid began to reflect the shift to a more ra dominated theology you begin to see the integration of Ra into king's names right so uh Sneferu, you know there's not the pyramids were definitely solar Structures related to the solar cult. But you see, Snefru doesn't really have that integration of his name. Uh, Khufu doesn't really. But then you have Dejedfre, right? Who does? Kafre? Yes. Menkare? Yes. So it's, I mean, you got to consider all of these things at once, right? To, to get that whole context of understanding for what's going on. So the pyramid complex of the third dynasty typically reflects conventions established for royal Mastaba tombs of the second dynasty and primarily uh, dedicate their function to the continued activities of, of the earthly king in the afterlife from this perspective. But as the cult of Re established itself, which was no doubt due to the growing influence of the priesthood at this time in Heliopolis, which... Was uh, just to the northeast of Giza. Um, Yeah, so as the cult of Re established itself, we get to see the beginnings of an established canon, right? Uh, An orthodoxy reflecting this cultural shift. So by the time Sneferu built his North Pyramid, the Red Pyramid, at the Shur, there was already a basic foundational framework for a functional pyramid complex within this cultural religious context. The previous north-south orientation of the complex was replaced with an east-west. A valley temple was added and connected to the mortuary temple by means of a causeway, again on the east side of the pyramid to meet the rising sun. right. With only minimal changes, this form was to become the standard until the Middle Kingdom, when the cult of Osiris began to override the cult of Rey. And thus you see uh, a cultural catalyst for shifting traditions and architecture. Right, You can't just look at one thing by itself you have to understand the whole picture of what's happening to understand the mechanism of change behind anything happening it wasn't just art for art's sake or architecture for architecture's sake it wasn't you know i'm gonna outdo you and here plop giant pyramid i'm the greatest no these served a function within their societies within their belief system The nile itself was always seen by the egyptians as a symbolic barrier between life and death right so on the east side where the sun rises that's where you find all the towns the palaces and the egyptians of everyday life on the west side where the sun sets that's where you find all their tombs so even the layout of of their communities reflected a deep-seated understanding of cosmology and it's an important point to remember, because if the pyramids weren't tombs, they wouldn't be located on the west side, or at least they would be located on both banks, right? So it's just another thing to take into consideration. When you add pieces from you know, physical evidence, which, you know, a, a, a body, there's not much to argue with there, right? And you add on the literary evidence, the uh, religious context, you know, different elements of the pyramid structure itself, serving a funerary function, and even, you know, where they're being built. Is no coincidence. Not to, you know, make this first uh, effort at, at, I don't know, a podcast or whatever It'd take too long, but... Just to briefly go over, um, I guess, the ceremony surrounding a king's death. So, and 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 to see how it integrates into the uh, layout of the pyramid, let's say in the 4th dynasty, or specifically during the reign of Khufu, because all these ceremonies shifted, right? I mean, our funerals now are, don't even resemble those uh, 300 years ago, right? And with the ancient Egyptians, we're talking about Thousands of years of cultural stability where practices continued with minimal change for literally thousands of years. That's insane. But anyway, another tangent. Um, When the king died, the procession his body uh, would take from this world of the living on the east side of the Nile to the world of the dead on the west bank where he would eventually return to the gods and some aspect of them would uh, be reintegrated into the sun itself as Ray and also as Horus and the next king. But this procession um, would take them through the pyramid itself and the pyramid complex. The temples in this complex symbolically represent this passage after death. The body would be taken across the river, and and this isn't speculation, right? Like, we understand this is what occurred. The body would be taken across the river to the land of the dead, where it would begin its process of rebirth through ceremonies provided in the mortuary temple. So, this is the temple furthest to the east of the pyramid. From there, it would go through a process, or sorry, it would progress through the causeway. Uh, Herodotus, if you've ever read him, he, he actually witnessed the well, when he visited egypt he toured through giza and wrote about how magnificent the causeway of khufu was that it he, actually he compared it to being um, just as splendid as the pyramid itself so i can't imagine how insanely inspiring that causeway must have been and now there's like nothing left except uh, we do have remains of uh, one of khufu's cartouches from the causeway but anyway so the funeral procession would will go from the mortuary temple um, after being unloaded from a bark which crossed the Nile it will go through the causeway you know and you can just imagine these priests chanting you know walking with the mummified remains of the king and into the valley temple there it will go undergo a further ceremony in the pyramid itself and from there um, the rebirth with the gods So. It's a very basic detailing of the funeral procession, but what needs to be understood is that the pyramids associated, temples and causeway, aren't there haphazardly. They reflected in stone the path of the king's spirit that it would take in the afterlife. So the pyramid complex as a whole is a physical representation of the ancient Egyptians' religious beliefs associated uh, with the cult of Rei. So just to uh, I guess briefly um, finish up here, um, it's in, in attempting to ascertain like the function of Egyptian pyramids, you can't remove them from its archaeological, architectural, cultural or religious context The pyramids are not single monuments of stone removed from the culture that built them and the context in which they sit. the complete picture involving some understanding of who the Egyptians were and what they believed is absolutely necessary to understand the history and function of these incredible monuments. It's in response to the question of whether pyramids were used as tombs, I've only provided here a small, small amount of information, and in no way should like this be considered a detailed overgoing of the evidence. But it's my hope that If you've asked yourself the question, you'll use some of the information I've provided here as a launching pad to further your own deeper understanding of the ancient Egyptians and the monuments that they built. So I I hope everyone found this interesting again for the third time, I'll apologize for the lack of uh, professionalism and uh, I guess uh, equipment, quality equipment to record them but uh this is something i would like to continue in the future and hopefully there is enough interest i uh have a massive interest in history as a whole not just egyptology uh like i mentioned earlier world war 2 is also a big one of mine and um i am a, a firefighter as well uh and uh recently wrote quite a detailed uh, analysis of the reichstag fire in 1933 that kind of launched the nazis into power so uh maybe i'll go over go over that one uh, next time, I, I kind of approach the issue of whether the uh, Nazis could have been responsible for the Reichstag fire and look at timelines uh, of the fire's progression, based from uh, the perspective of modern fire science. But uh, so yeah, that's that's one I uh, could do in the future. I also mentioned um, uh, the Sons of Khufu. I think uh, I already have something I've written previously on them. Uh, and Napoleon is another huge interest of mine. We uh, tend to have a very British perspective of Napoleon and his campaigns and his reforms and, and such. I wouldn't mind going over the Battle of Waterloo from a more balanced perspective. And Maybe uh, even integrate some interviews with uh, researchers who uh, have made a name in these fields. I know some of you might be familiar with Robert Bouval. He and I have been talking. He's the guy who came up with the Orion Correlation Theory, which uh, um, suggests that the alignment or positioning of the three pyramids at Giza were um, laid out to reflect the orientation of the belt stars of the constellation Orion. He and I have been discussing getting an interview going, so these are just some basic ideas for the uh, future if there is some interest. So anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed it and uh, I guess I'll sign off here, okay, thanks.